0: Chop suey, wham, whack, lag tag, bam, Woom, wham. Wow, that's some uh, lag, man. You're like five seconds behind. Never mind. Uh, okay.
1: Yeah, we were just talking about that I traded uh, a, a, a solid internet connection for a very nice-looking apartment. There's a supposedly a, tr- a trade-off here in Sweden. Uh, either excellent internet or an excellent
0: apartment. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah, that's the
1: northern Sweden... The northern
0: Sweden way. That's funny. You live in Umio, which is a northern city, and Umeå boasted about getting 5G uh, before any other Swedish cities uh, last year. Um, which is ironic, in your case. So, anyway... Welcome to Pod Hard, everybody! My name is Jonas Högberg And this is Anders Schultzquist. We've reached 1925. 1924 was a fantastic year. It was a seminal action year. But 1925 plummets right down again. 1925, uh, Lloyd releases The Freshman, and Buster Keaton releases uh, Seven Chances and Go West. The Freshman and Seven Chances are to. Uh, Of their best works people would say but they're very much low-key movies not that much action going on which is a shame for us of course but we have some great uh, backup this episode from uh, from Japan Orochi the serpent but maybe we should start with our perhaps favorite movie
1: should sailors marry uh, yeah, last time we discovered that we maybe had uh, missed this. Uh, what's his face? Larry Sermon, uh, guy. He made some uh, astonishing uh, action in in uh, horseshoes in 1923. I, I don't I I don't think this is Larry Sermon, actually. No,
0: who is this? I think it's na- his name is Clyde Cook. Uh, okay. <laughs> I, I think this is just this is a big misunderstanding. <laughs> okay, could that
1: uh, explain the quality drop? Yeah, definitely,
0: <laughs> definitely. <laughs> uh, because so-
1: th- this is a movie that we probably shouldn't have watched. Uh,
0: this is essentially uh, in Sweden we call this kind of movie uh, an a movie, which essentially is a movie that's so silly and drab and you know boring and weird and uh, i mean uh, essentially this uh, this comedy bits of this guy being bullied by women and uh, stuff like that uh, old timey sense of humor i guess
1: the plot as it goes is <sighs> It's uh, something different. Uh, it's about a, a wife beating wrestler uh, <laughs> yeah. who demands to live off alimony from his ex-wife. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she will try to marry this uh, not Larry guy. <laughs> <laughs> Clyde Cook. <laughs> Clyde Cook, yeah. I suppose, mm. uh, to get some money off of him Uh He's a sailor who has gambled all, uh, away all his money. I mean, it, it's a really <laughs> fresh uh, setup. <laughs> I don't know. They're, it's quite a, indefensible. And then he is presented to um, her kids from the earlier marriage. And is instantly abused by the son. And then he gets the hots for the daughter. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. It's not my...
0: We went for this movie when we scrolled through it and saw that there was some interesting wrestling scenes uh, where Clyde Cook is uh, facing off against the the former husband, who is a wrestler. Uh, And they're they're, uh, tumbling around on the floor and uh, he's trying to get a hold of uh, Clyde Cook's uh, neck. But uh, he's sliding around. He's like a rubber man. Uh, so I thought that was a bit funny, but uh, that, that's essentially everything that is uh, anything about this movie.
1: Yeah, we get some ground, uh, what, what do you say, floor floor game, <laughs> I don't know, a proper wrestling, some bending of joints and stuff. And it actually feels kind of fresh uh, still. I would like to see more wrestling movies, I think. I mean not not set in the ring uh not sports dramas but uh, I mean more wrestling incorporated in uh, action cinema is it Laurel or Hardy that well, <laughs> who's the guy who comes in and rubs his nipple
0: <laughs> Oh yeah it's uh, Oliver Hardy the big guy uh of the of the two uh he he has a, a bit part in this movie I think
1: yeah, uh, so there's a long sequence where Oliver Hardy comes in and rubs his uh, nipple. Well, that's something, I, I guess. <laughs> this uh, not Larry character.
0: Sermon movie, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh... <laughs> so, so anyway. <laughs> so let's let's move on, man. Let's move on. Let's move on to our regular guys: uh, Buster Keaton and Harold Lloyd. Uh, Buster Keaton makes two movies: Go West and Seven Chances. Go West is. Uh, Well, there's not that much going on in Go West actually. I do think it's pretty funny that uh, Buster befriends a cow in this movie and uh, he becomes so uh, infatuated with the cow that uh, they have a pretty funny ending to the movie. Buster has saved the day and so this this cow tender tells Buster that uh, you can have whatever you want. Uh, And Buster says, I want her, and and points uh, backwards uh, where the cowherder's uh, daughter stands. And she thinks, oh, he's talking about me. But no, he's talking about the cow that stands behind her and that he loves more than anything. So the movie ends with them, everybody riding away in a car... Uh, and the cow being in the back seat uh, together with Buster. I thought that was very endearing actually. Action-wise, there's not that much to to comment on. Uh, Buster rolls down a slope in a barrel, the barrel breaks and Buster rolls out. I thought that was a a nice uh, image. Uh, And there's some running around in the big city uh, with the cow herd and Buster. Buster dresses up like a devil. Uh, (laughs) And uh, there's some police uh, falling on their asses uh, and stuff like that, but uh, mm, not that uh, special actually. I did think uh, there was better stuff going on in uh, Seven Chances, which is uh, a movie about Buster being uh, a potential millionaire. He he has uh, the chance to inherit seven million dollars, But only if he is married by the end of the day. He gets this notice on his uh, birthday. So on your 27th birthday at 7 o'clock you need to be married. that is the case you get 7 million dollars as an inheritance. A a mad chase for women ensues. And Buster has one woman in particular uh, that he wants to marry. But uh, she gets offended when uh, she finds out that uh, he's doing this for money. Uh, And so he has to find other women and there's a lot of brouhaha and stuff like that. And it sort of ends with Buster being chased by, I guess, the entire city's uh, supply of women. There's some funny scenes where he's uh, running through the streets, uh, chased by, I don't know, maybe a thousand women or something. And uh, the movie ends with him being chased out into the wilderness and chased down um, a mountain and chased by uh, big boulders and stuff like that. And I think that was a scene that was, um, was an accident, this whole uh, mountain slope thing. He was running down and some uh, rocks went loose and followed him. And when they saw that, they thought, uh, let's go with it. And uh, let's uh, do some papier-mâché uh, rocks, like Star Trek rocks. And uh, let's throw them after him and let's have a big chase scene here. And I, I do think it's funny when he I mean his running in this movie is pretty much spot on Tom Cruise running. He's running like
1: mad. He's basically just switches cops for uh, brides in this one. Maybe there there's possibly a suggestion there of something something uh, being bereft of freedom in in uh, marriage.
0: Yeah, possibly. Uh, I do think it when when running Uh, He does some pretty nifty moves, Uh, he does a great jump into water, Uh, he jumps into a tree that falls over, Uh, he makes a jump uh, over a, a great ravine and he slides under a car in a very funny manner. He runs like mad towards the car and slides right under it. And comes out and continues running after the car. Some very nice shots here. um, But yeah, uh, it is uh, definitely a minor Buster Keaton movie, I would say.
1: And then we have that uh, classic, uh, really cool match cut when he sits in the car. And uh, it it just uh, cuts to him being at his uh, arrival point. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: That's that's uh, very nice. Uh, I I think he reuses that in
1: uh, later movies as well. He he really likes that uh, match cut shot. But it's it's brilliant just to just uh, edit out the whole driving scene. I mean, not uh, 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 once again, not from an action perspective. We we want to see it, but but I I really like when you leave stuff out, and this is a very uh, sophisticated. Uh, way of doing that. It's uh, it's beautiful. And there's there's this really cool shot when he drives up uh, alongside a, a woman who drives a car. His car is smashed uh, by a tree. He drives right into a tree because he's talking to her. But the, the framing is that the tree just... Uh, Almost just appears (laughs) in in front of the car. It's also beautifully framed. Uh, Pastor Keaton is very very good at this uh, throwing in stuff through editing or through moving camera that we are not uh, ready for. So he's using the the film toolbox to his advantage, so to say. And and also build anticipation with giving us more. Sometimes he gives us more information than he has when, when there are more and more women. Uh, flocking behind him when he's walking, so he's he's very uh, smart with these these things.
0: Yeah, yeah, he has a he has a big uh, grasp of the movie language and what you can do with it um, to uh, elevate uh, scenes.
1: The the joke. Uh that uh, Buster has proposed to everything in a skirt, including a Scotchman, although just earlier there was an explicit gag of him not proposing to a black woman. It was pretty ugly. Yeah. I think uh, Buster also still has some problem with uh, uh, the narrative structure of his movies, which leads into Lloyd, who is streamlining, and, uh, which, which you can see as a good thing or a bad thing, I suppose.
0: Well, uh, yeah, I do think uh, Lloyd definitely has better scriptwriters. Uh, everything holds together in a more timely manner, I would say. Um, sure, you d- maybe don't get the same heights that Buster has. But uh, his movies are more pleasant to watch uh, as a whole.
1: It's a propulsion in in the narrative, or, or what to say. They just move, and and maybe mo- in a more what we are uh, as a modern people more u- accustomed to. Uh, I, I I suppose he establishes a lot of uh, narrative conventions, or or they maybe already are uh, established, but we. We still recognize this. I mean, Harold Lloyd would be a a great way to to start your ventures into silent cinema because the the jump is not very far. They still feel... I mean, The Freshman is basically a high school slash college movie and a a sports comedy. And these genres hasn't changed that much uh, since this one. You feel right at home.
0: Yeah, and I, I, mean, I think uh, parts of the movie inspired uh, The Water Boy with Adam Sandler in the 90s. There's a lot of these mix-ups and uh, he thinks he's something he's not in the eyes of others. Essential comedy bits that uh, haven't changed at all uh, over time. So the plot of The Freshman is that he's a guy off to college for the first time. He's like 30 years old, but uh, never mind. <laughs> the movie starts very funny. He's like uh, obsessed with um, a character, like the college kid or something. What What, what, what is he's called?
1: Yeah, something like that.
0: So there's like a, a character... Uh, appearing in movies or something called the college kid that uh, harold lloyd is uh, infatuated with he stands in front of the mirror in his home practicing a a signature move that the college kid has a very nice uh, <laughs> greeting gesture when he where he goes bananas with his legs uh, and holds out his hands for a greeting and during this sequence uh, We also get these very nice uh, Batman-esque intertitles. Chop, suey, wham, whack, lag, tag, bam, boom, wham. Very much in the way of the uh, 60s uh, series, uh, the Batman series, with the big uh, gestures and the cartoon uh, uh, intertitles. So yeah, definitely, you you get the sense that... uh, Everything we're doing nowadays uh, has been done before. And you that's a feeling we've gotten over and over as we went through cinema history here. When he goes away to college, he goes by train and he meets a girl, of course. And uh, they're smitten with each other. And it's a very cute scene. I don't know why, but I think he... Harold Lloyd really... Or Harold Lloyd movies, they really portray romance in a very cute way that I... I for sure didn't think uh, would be possible in the um, in the silent era movies, but uh, I'm actually I'm actually quite fond of the way that they portray a romance. Uh, here, uh, the girl is uh, trying out a crossword puzzle, and together they're they're trying to find out um, a synonym for. Um, A word for someone you love, darling or uh, sweetheart or something like that. And so they they say these words to each other. And so a woman overhears this and thinks, oh, they're being cute to each other. And and they are in a way. Um, They are brought together by this crossword puzzle.
1: Yeah, if anything, I, I wish the romance plot. Uh, was allowed uh, more screen time. I think uh, here Jobina Ralston's character is delegated to a bit too much of a cute girl and side character. I mean, it gets a bit too cute, but at the same time, Harold Lloyd excels at these, uh, or his scriptwriters or whatever, excels at these uh, romantic scenes that are very cute. And and I think it could have gotten more uh, airtime.
0: Yeah, he, essentially the movie is about him trying to get accepted by the other college uh, graduates and he's trying to get popular with them. And he spends uh, money trying to get popular... And uh, they think he's a dweeb, a dork, or a boob, as they call him in the uh, in the 20s. They're playing around with him. They make him think that he's popular, but uh, they're really laughing at him behind his back. And he's trying to get on to the football team. And they don't want to be mean to him because he's really bad at football. And so they make him believe that he's a substitute, but essentially he's the water boy. Um, Yeah, so at at least you get a big action scene at the the end where you get this uh, football match where Lloyd gets trampled and totally berated by the the teams, both his team and the other team. They're really punching him down and uh, you get some funny mass scenes where everybody's running at him and uh, he's running away and it's a tracking camera moving away where he's running towards the camera with the ball, dodging uh, characters uh, jumping in and out. I like this
1: uh, one. I mean, I think Harold Lloyd is kind of (laughs) allowed from an action perspective to take uh, a breather from from his multi-layered set piece extravaganzas. (laughs) He has delivered uh, two masterpieces in quite short succession. We'll will just uh, have to hope he's back in uh, in a year or, or two with something. But but this as a a sports comedy with uh, with some physical th- action uh, is quite uh, amusing. I liked when he gets to be the dummy that they are testing takedowns on. When it's the the tackling dummy. Uh, Lots of brutal uh, takedowns. Only this time uh, Harold Lloyd is on the receiving end. (laughs) He gets pummeled.
0: Yeah, and usually he's the one doing the pummeling when he's uh, like windmilling his arms uh, at uh, bad guys. So yeah, that's nice. And yeah, the the ending is... uh, There's some spectacular scenes there when he's running away from everybody with uh, the football in hand.
1: Yeah, with his uh, patented moving camera on a...
0: On a trolley or a car or something. Yeah, he's pretty good at that uh, with the moving camera. But anyway, let's uh, leave our funny friends Buster Keaton and Harold Lloyd and uh, talk about a Japanese movie that we've seen, uh, which is our main movie for this episode. It's called Orochi, the Serpent, in English. It's directed by Buntaro Futagawa, uh, who was a big kabuki movie director of the silent era, with the actor Suma Saburo Bando. Um, Yeah. He is very expressive and uh, I think uh, quite nicely captures this uh, Ronin character that he's portraying in this movie.
1: I think they add makeup throughout the movie as he descends as to almost appear as uh, this demon that people think he is almost (laughs) towards the end all wild stares and uh, yeah it's it's another one of those uh, samurai descent movies uh, i saw one uh, in an earlier episode so they just jump right into these uh, ones this one had the uh, subtitles uh, which was very nice because we, we get a, a better feel for this use of Benshe. The music and the benshi here is uh, recorded more uh, recent uh, and is a, more of a reconstruction.
0: Uh, so, just to iterate, Andrews, uh, a benshi was in the silent, uh, predominantly in the silent uh, movie era, in the Japanese movies. They had uh, a person standing next to the cinema, in the cinemas, in the theaters. They had like um, a theater person. That dressed up uh, in um, traditional Japanese uh, samurai kabuki style wear. And um, sort of narrated the movie for the audience. And not only talked about the plot and read the intertitles. But also uh, sort of like uh, talked about the, the moral of the story. Um, conveyed poetry. They had sort of a freedom to express themselves to the, to the movie being projected. So a big part of the movie-going experience was actually the Benshe itself. So in that time, in the 20s, when Japanese uh, guys and girls <laughs> were going to the movies, the biggest draw was actually the Benshe him or herself, uh, not the movie actually. So uh, if you saw that, oh, that banshee that I like so much is going to be talking about a movie. I'm going to that uh, movie, <laughs> which is uh, which is uh, quite fabulous, actually, a fabulous experience. And uh, they have uh, the banshee tradition still in Japan, but. Uh, They only do sort of old movies, Uh, there's not that many new movies that are benshee-oriented. But I do think that the benshee for Orochi that we've heard is Midori Savato, which is a female benshee, one of the most known Benches of today. And uh, there were female Benches in the 20s as well, although it was a predominantly male uh, profession. But uh, there were lots of women as well, Um, and uh, I think she captures the mood very nicely, this banshee that we have uh, seen or heard. We haven't seen the banshee as they did in the old era, of course. I'm curious to know if the banshee has uh, these uh, big gestures and has uh, sort of a theater performance as well, not only speaking over the movie. That would have been nice to know, I think. But uh, yeah, I love this uh, Benchy style um, tradition.
1: It feels fresh uh, for us because we're not that accustomed to it, I I suppose. But it's uh, really interesting. And and usually I don't, uh, like narrating that much but there is something interesting going on here when when she, she plays all the parts doing different voices and just uh, of course there's a lot of just telling us what we see in in the images and but there there are uh, characters and how they think experience the situation it brings a literary aspect to to film i mean in the end everything is is text more or less uh, so so i like Uh, this approach. It's very soothing (laughs) reading a movie.
0: Yeah, I would really like to see a a modern approach to Banshee storytelling. Uh, I I think that would be very interesting. Pick up the old traditions and try to make something new of it. Uh, I don't know if that has been made in the last uh, 20-30 years. I mean,
1: they they do that in these uh, Vakaliwood these uh, action uh, uh, African action movies from... uh, the Vakaliwood, they have a live performer emceeing or, or or what to say to the movie more commenting on uh, screaming like action yeah he, <laughs> the hero is uh, blowing up a helicopter good <laughs> okay okay <laughs> <Stuff> like that <laughs> okay
0: i i think part of uh, why i like the benchy style so much is that the, the Japanese language is so uh, so forceful and powerful, especially when you're transitioning between characters. The Benji really has a, a commanding presence uh, over this movie.
1: Yeah, and, and just uh, the blending of images and also texts that I think she is reading and just this constant uh, more literary feel. And, and I gotta make a note on the music as well, although composed uh, at a later date. uh, I think this is, uh, and not only because I think this is, uh, to my taste, better music than in most of the movies we have seen. Uh, I think the use of music here is, uh, is, yeah, it's put to better use. It's pretty varied, and there's also longer parts with uh, silence. It utilizes silence in a better way, and uh, yeah, it's not that constant approach (laughs) that we have seen in many movies where they just basically basically Put on a, a record and let it play, regardless of what what is happening in in the image. <laughs> yeah,
0: and I don't think that was what they did back in the twenties uh, when they have a when they had a live orchestra for many of the uh, appearances of the movie. I think it was a, a much more grander uh, feeling uh, watching even uh, silly movies back in the twenties, which are being lost on us today when we just get this. Uh, this outdated uh, weird uh, things with um, um clocks and uh,
1: uh, it's a just a barrage of pompous orchestral walls sometimes uh, i really hope it was more dynamic <laughs> yeah so uh, orochi
0: it is uh, basically a, a sort of um the main character is is very much this toshiro Mifun character who is very hot headed and gets into a lot of trouble because he just he can't take an insult or he's insulted by everything, essentially. I mean, someone offering him sake in the beginning of the movie, and he gets offended, and a big brouhaha breaks out, and uh, he's essentially an asshole. (laughs) But uh, a good-hearted asshole, I guess. So yeah, he gets into a lot of trouble, and he gets uh, sort of expelled from his master, forced to become a ronin, a wandering samurai, a masterless samurai. Well, he gets into all sorts of trouble, and he he gets... uh, um, infatuated with uh, Women a lot I mean he tries to get one woman kidnapped Or there are some guys uh, That, that uh, are his friends That like oh you like that woman.
1: Let, we're, we're, gonna, we're gonna kidnap her for you And <laughs> so Yeah in prison he befriends these uh, The rat and the cat I, I th- They are called And uh, he doesn't understand That they are bad guys Or doesn't want to understand I guess he needs a, a friend or something So they kidnap uh, this woman that he is in, infatuated with. His descent is uh, pretty steep uh, at, at this point. He's going to rape her and has this demon in his air that is pushing him on but in the end he backs off. Yeah, I thought it was very nice
0: when he was moving into the camera with his face and just as the camera sort of envelops him uh, he backs away and becomes uh, sane again.
1: When he sets out on the road to live as a Ronin voiceover says with the passing of the first year we find him in a pathetic state. <laughs> <laughs> and and the descent is just, uh, has just begun at, at this point.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he definitely goes downhill pretty fast.
1: And um. I mean, there's a lot of uh, brawls and he throws around people, uh, kind remin- of reminiscent of Steven Seagal. Uh, maybe there are some <laughs> Aikido moves here or something. <laughs> he just throws people that, that run at him. And, and maybe they are a bit too undercranked. Uh, I think <laughs> here because it gets a bit cartoonish and I think it uh, should have been a, a heavier feel So, but that could also be this uh, version that we see maybe there is a version that they did uh, the projection speed at uh, a more reasonable count
0: yeah and the, the fights are, they're very messy and uh, at the same time they're very orchestrated, I, I think they, they've even though it's very under and uh, they're, they're moving very fast. I think they're moving very in unison in a very in a very nice way. He I mean he's surrounded uh, in, a, in a lot of fights by, by uh, other guys and uh, they're, everybody's moving in unison when he attacks like one front the other front uh, rushes in from behind so that everyone is at the same distance uh, of each other at the same time. That's a very nice aesthetic uh, movement. Uh, in, in this framing.
1: Yeah, there's both elements of dance to it. Uh, I agree. There's also this widely flailing around and end up in a, a pile brawls. I mean, it moves between these dance. Uh, moves and this more chaotic uh, and it gives it both a stylized sense and a more authentic feel. Yeah, I like it too.
0: I really like that the camera uh, focuses on the attackers uh, of um, the main character. You can sort of see in their eyes, they fear him and they respect him. That's why you get this uh, tension really to this, uh, this fight. Uh, when they're moving back and forth uh, you really see the fear in uh, everybody's eyes that this is this is for real we're fighting i c- i can die here in a in a stroke of a blade that's very very refreshing i think
1: and that's the thing that gets him to uh, cool off in the big end scene as well i mean he goes into these fits of rage almost and uh, there's a moment where he uh, understands that he has killed people and it's beautiful perceived with some almost... uh, I mean there's some weird editing going on at the crowd of attackers here. Very close up, very fast editing, almost a step editing pattern or something. And then there's this shot of him trying to bend his own sword from his hand, clutching it so hard. It's really emotional. <laughs> when when death has uh, arrived full force yeah
0: yeah yeah uh, i mean the the end fight is uh, phenomenal i think you you also have this uh, this moving camera like like lloyd uses uh, where the camera moves away from the action and everybody runs uh, towards the camera and there's a very nice scene where he, he runs almost out of frame to a tree, and then, oh, yeah, I'm supposed to run towards the camera, sort of uh, realizes and uh, runs uh, against the camera as well with, uh, l- like, this huge uh, force uh, of, uh, of, of soldiers uh, charging in from behind. Very powerful stuff.
1: Yeah, it's beautifully perceived that w- we get the camera is almost slowly tracking away from, from this... Uh This fight. And then we have uh, this character, the lead character, Heisaburo, when he pushes forth, then he moves uh, closer to the camera again. Yeah, some good stuff for sure.
0: Yeah, I I really like this uh, movie. I thought it was uh, very, very nice. And uh, I think the banshee. Uh, style presenting uh, did a lot um, for the um, the emotional investment
1: yeah we saw don q as well uh, the douglas fairbanks movie don q son of sorrow and it's a lot of fairbanks for your buck lots of doug for your (laughs) dough
0: but i really Uh, liked this movie's uh, like first 20 minutes or so the plot is essentially that sorrow sorrow's son i mean uh, sorry mark of sorrow from 1920 he won the day and uh, now he's had a son and the son has gone to spain for his uh, training and so we we find him in spain he is uh, really a douglas fairbanks character being an asshole to people and he, he really really likes the whip so he goes around having whip tricks at people. He flicks cigarettes out of people's mouths, cuts off uh, papers in the middle, and everybody's cheering him on. Is doing more crazy stuff. He uses blindfolds and whipping around and getting into trouble.
1: And just friendly whips some people in the butt. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Isn't that Douglas Fairbanks for you? Yeah,
1: sure. Yeah, probably improvised. I mean, this guy... It. it when you know it now uh, it, it kind of shines through that he is a uncontrollable madman
0: yeah 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 definitely <laughs> uh, and and i yeah he, it's uh, both
1: uh, it's both enjoyable and a bit uh, frightening as well this one almost there is no plot i mean there's 50 minutes of diladalen and if that's your thing as i said there's a lot of fairbanks
0: the fights could have been longer i really liked this uh, fight where he got trapped in a sort of hacienda. He was traveling there with some um, army fellows.
1: Yeah, he's night out with the pals, just goofing around, talking to statues.
0: But one of of them wasn't really a pal, so he locks him in with a lot of hostiles. uh, And so he has to escape. And he uses a really clever ruse to get out of the building. He like propels his sword on some vines just outside of the door. Uh, And um, makes uh, a cradle of this vine sword uh, thingamajig. And so the the sword sort of uh, propels back and forth uh, in front of the gate so that everybody sees, oh, he's he's waving the sword just uh, outside of the gate. But really, he's fled the scene and the sword is just
1: hanging on the vine. But the whip is an interesting choice of weapon. It leads to some interesting stuff. I suppose it's a pretty hard weapon to control.
0: Absolutely. And I think he didn't do all that much himself. He had like a whip expert that did most of the the wackiest tricks, I think. He tried to do it himself, but uh, hurt a guy, of course, in the process. So uh,
1: yeah. Yeah, I think it's a weapon you don't see that often uh, in movies. There's, there's some, there's some, a couple of Shaw Brothers movies. It's always an interesting weapon, but maybe hard to do that much with. But uh, I mean, Fairbanks does everything with this whip. He, he even uh, announces arrival at an inn by sliding it through cracks in the door. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I mean, uh, this guy, he's just playing around. I, I did like the, the finish
1: uh, when they're running around in a, in a ruin. I mean, basically, it's uh, 50 minutes of Dillydallin, and then he is accused of murder. Then there's uh, some plotting that is, yeah, adventure movie 101, I suppose. And then we get to the ruins. I thought it was pretty cute when old Papa Soro shows up and is still into magic tricks pretty funny callback when he, he says, have you seen this one? My favorite part. <laughs> I knew you would love that. <laughs> my favorite part of The Mark
0: of Sorrow. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He's obsessed with doing magic tricks with his handkerchief. So yeah, I, I thought this was uh, the most enjoyable uh, Fairbanks flick since the Musketeer movie.
1: Basically I think maybe it was uh, too much of a good thing. Maybe I like my Fairbanks a bit restrained or something but if you are uh, infatuated with Douglas Fairbanks this is one to watch I would say.
0: And uh, yeah that concludes 1925 for us. Uh, It was a bit of a lesser year of course uh, since 1924 was so epic Uh, but I do think we got some good stuff here uh, especially in Orochi. Um, So yeah silent movies uh, they keep uh, they're they're doing it they they keep doing <laughs> it for us
1: yeah And also this, sometimes it, it, it feels uh, a bit, it, there's a, uh, I, I mean, uh, <laughs> the, it, 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 it <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, and we're skipping image yeah. now or, or visual. Or...
0: Uh, do you want to have visual? We can try.
1: Now we, we, maybe we would try it like this. There you uh, go. Oh, there you are. Okay. Uh, wait a minute.
0: Hey, here I am <laughs> yeah, you're not moving, man, wow uh, what
1: not moving at all uh-huh. yeah, maybe we do without, uh, yeah,
0: yeah, you're pretty we do without, okay, so yeah. uh yeah, the freshman go
1: <laughs> the freshman go one, two, three, go, yeah, uh... I mean. <laughs> I, I think I like this. I think uh, I was talking about the the end. Yeah, but I no, was we at, were we at the end already? <laughs> then I'm gonna chime in with something.
0: Uh, okay, yeah, I was blabbing about uh, the camera moving backwards, and he was uh, running towards the camera and dodging uh, people from left to
1: right. Oh man, I haven't heard anything about this. This will be interesting.